What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Hey, look, y'all. Y'all know these, these, these type of episodes are why Matt Sports House was originally made. Before I get too much into it, I got our analyst back on, Sterling Harris. Sterling, what's up with you, man? Yo, great college football going on these y'all, days. I'm telling you, it's the college football playoff. It just happened. I was just telling Sterling before the episode started, I said, look, we put this out today. It's hot off the press. Think about it. if this was the 1960s, we're in Dallas, Texas. This is the newspaper at the National Signing Day. It's hot off the press. I'm ready to get the information off. Uh, I'm sure Sterling's ready to offer his input. So without further ado, welcome to my sports house. talk about four games today um we're gonna talk about both the playoff games we're gonna talk about that rose bowl the granddaddy of them all my buckeyes did what needed <laughs> to be done you know what i'm saying and then we're also gonna talk about south carolina for the local people you know both of us but i was gonna say both of us graduates of south university of south carolina sterling's mm-hmm. still there but uh and he can talk about south carolina football day too so it's a major bonus <laughs> but, but we're gonna go ahead and start off with the uh the crimson tide yeah, the Crimson Tide and the Cincinnati Bearcats game first. That game was in Dallas, Texas at the um, Jerry World. Uh, Still, what were your thoughts on the game? Whoa, before uh, you, wait, 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 one second. Before you do that, I feel like I probably should give some context. Uh, just in case you're living under a rock, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide won with the final score of 27 to 6. But go ahead, Sterling. What were your thoughts on the game? Uh, it went about um, the Cincinnati's going to lose. It went the way I thought it would go in terms of they just would, you know, capitalize on office opportunities. But like I said, they didn't get blown out in the water as as many people was hoping. You know, that would happen to the group of five team that they swore didn't belong didn't belong to be in the playoff. Um, very manageable. It was very manageable in this game. Like it was like a 17-6 ball game, 10-3 ball game, no, or 10-6 ball game. I think before. Um, Old boy got that slot fade, but it, I mean, it's just like you know, the defense played the way I thought they would on the back end. I said the secondary is going to give Alabama maybe not fits, but there's going to be most experienced secondary. It can really limit those explosive plays. I didn't expect you know James Williams to be flying all over the place, but the one thing that was going to be a problem was the running game, and Cincinnati didn't adjust. Um, they kind of I guess went with the the bend don't break mentality in terms of uh you know, letting Bama run about to the 20 and then hoping they wouldn't get into the end zone near the end of the game. And eventually Bama did punch it in later on in the game, you know, by the time the Cincinnati was just kind of dog tired because the offense wasn't doing anything um, to at least give them some life. They was driving, they was moving the ball, but then they'll have a penalty here or a sack here or a drop pass there. They kind of stalled their drives. And versus a team like Bama, um, this happens to anybody. You're not beating Bama if you don't capitalize on opportunities. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, for the people that was out there that was hoping since you would get, you know, absolutely destroyed and, mo- and, and molly-whopped. Uh, that didn't happen. Even if you look at the score and you want to just say, oh, look at the score, that's not what happened in the game. 
Um, since he was two drop passes in the end zone away from it being a three a three point game, maybe less at that. Um, so it was very much alive in this game, but they just didn't com- they just didn't convert when they had chances, and that's the difference in the playoffs. Um, yeah, it was funny. Difference. It was funny because when the first game first started, we were all thinking, like, okay, what's this matchup going to look like? What's, uh, <laughs> what's uh, Jamison going to do and stuff? And then so we saw Alabama just drive down the field, running the ball. I think they handed the ball off to him in the jet sweep. Ten straight times. But besides that, Brian Robinson just had him a day. They said he yeah. thought about transferring early on because, you know, he had to sit behind so many great backs. But, yeah, he sat behind him. This game goes 25, had 25 carries, 198 yards. Averaging eight yards a carry. If you told me that the Alabama running back was going to average eight yards a carry, I'd give it to him all day, all day because, yeah. and and it happened to work into their favor. Yeah, I mean Cincinnati just, and I I guess I understand it. They kind of they kind of just ref, they they kind of decided what which what doesn't want to pick. You know the, the old saying pick your poison. They kind of said, well, we'll live with trying to you know have to go man on man in in the run box and. And have a guys make a tackle at the point of attack, as opposed to you know maybe having one less guy in the secondary that can um, hold off on a bomb from Jamison. That's a, that's a backbreaker. And in theory, you know it did work. And I wasn't really mad. I wasn't really too mad with what Cincy was doing defensively um, to that point because they did hold Bama to for one under thirty points, which is something Georgia couldn't do in the first half, I think, or maybe even you know first three quarters of that game. Um, and plenty of teams in SEC couldn't even do. Um, so that's impressive. That's on the month of preparation for one team. So that's very impressive. Um, I just think down there the goal line, I would have liked to personally have seen Cincinnati kind of say, um, bump it. We got two really good cornerbacks. We're going to man y'all guys up across the board and send the house and try to make Bryce make some unorthodox um, decisions. Um, but he's so poised in the pocket. It's still even hard to kind of, you know, say if we do that, you know, what happens. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just they kind of picked, you know, run game and let's hope Bama to three. And for the most part, they did that a lot throughout the game, even had a missed field goal from Bama. Um, so I can't – I'm not really mad defensive the way they played defensively. They played a great game defensively. It's just offensively they missed – they just missed two – they missed opportunities. They had a drop on the goal line, uh, a wheel route that was dropped by the running back. That was a beautiful – that was one of the best stone balls really through the whole game. And then, you know, Bama's, they, Bama was so prepared – on the D-line in terms of since he's tendencies, getting their hands up, batting those balls down. So I think really was kind of deflating that offense. Every time they thought they had something, yeah. the ball's getting batted down in a lot of scrimmage. So <laughs> it's just you play a great team like Bama and they're always prepared, you have to capitalize. If you don't capitalize on every opportunity, you won't win the game. So it's just that's how it goes for pretty much anybody that plays Bama. <laughs> so yeah, because yeah, when you were is- talking about this past deflections, that really I think that's a really good word is deflating because it's like the guy is open, especially on that goal line route. He gets him off on the slant, he cuts inside, and it's like everybody's like, it's gold, it's gold. Pass and then it happens like three <laughs> or four times to the point people are talking about. I thought that Desmond was six foot four. And also you said something about uh their defense and kind of putting more defensive backs on the field. They were the on the broadcast, they were saying how a lot of the linebackers since Cincinnati for like six-year guys, you know, due to the COVID year, they were able to stay a little bit mm-hmm. longer. So it's like we're going to sell out on our older linebackers. They got some big dudes on their defensive line. I, they might not be yeah. better besides. Since these pass rush is really good. Yeah. Their pass rush is really good. They was getting the Bryce, but it's just – they just – it's like – it's not that they – he had enough – he's not like Bryce had a lot of time. He just had just enough to make – to hit Cincy in those in those zone areas where he'll hit Jameson in the middle sitting down or hit um 
Billingsley sitting down. Like it's just he had just enough time to hit those dots in in those holes. And um, yeah, like the and the thing about Ritter, I saw Quincy Avery posted something about it. Um, saying it's not that Ritter's, you know, he's doing anything wrong. It's just that his his maybe his release time is just not fast enough to withstand you know to get past Bama's anticipation like if he released if he had a quicker release maybe those batted balls don't happen maybe they just miss that's something he brought up because he was talking about size and all this stuff he's like I think his size I think it's just his release is slow yeah <laughs> so that's kind of what he what, what he came to the conclusion of which is you know a good thought um to figure out why exactly Bama was able to get their hands on so many balls because it just looks so deflating like on third and threes third and fourth early in the game when since he's trying to sustain drives Bad it pass, bad it pass, bad it pass. So hey, and also I noticed that Slade Bolden kind of stepped up in this game. Uh, apparently, he was a quarterback in high school. He was one of the receivers, number eighteen for Alabama. I saw yeah, he, he was just yeah, he was just making a couple of catches here and there, just really you know helping the tide move the ball down the field. We wondered how much uh, Michi, uh being out was going to really affect the Crimson Tide. And between him and Jacory Brooks, they just kind of kept finding a way. There was one other point. Yeah, yeah. And also, I wonder, because after watching that game, I was like the Cincinnati, uh, the Cincinnati, Alabama game. I was sitting there thinking like, yo, Cincinnati, if their whole goal kind of was to make sure that Jamison Williams didn't go crazy, like that definitely, now granted, they wanted to win the game, but they definitely kept them in check there. And when they were kind of going through talking about the defensive backs for Cincinnati, I knew that I think we all knew that what's his name? Sauce Sauce Kobe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not know how good Kobe Bryant was. And then on top yeah. of that, I did not know how good Arquan Bush was to the fact that they said that on most teams he would be a starter. And so yeah. we put those guys together. I was sitting there thinking, like, all right, who is this defensive backs coach? Mike Trussell. I give him maybe another year in Cincinnati. He's probably gonna be <laughs> or at least pat, defensive pass game coordinator. I don't know what it is because that means that he's developing a lot of good talent. Like he's not just yeah. getting all these guys that are really good right away, but he's also developing them to the point where you feel like literally all of your top guys, even your nickel are some of the best defensive backs in the country. Oh yeah. I mean, they, they definitely do. They need to do. I think Bush, he, he would love to have that slot fade back because he just, he engaged. And then instead of like you engage like that, you want to tug at that inside hip. And make sure you can still stay in star receiver. But he engaged and gave him a good bump that he kind of stopped his feet. And that was one of the ones that finally that Bama finally got the breakthrough. But Bama had to work for those points. Like yeah. it, it, <laughs> it took a lot for Bama to feel like, oh man, we can finally get some breathing room from these guys. He kind of felt it was good, it was good in the sense that like some people was looking at the game like, oh, it looks like it feels like Bama's up by three points. I mean three touchdowns. But Cincinnati looking at the game like we got him right where we want him. If we can have him here and kind of stay in it, at some point our offense can make something break. And now we sitting here. And they got pressure on them to put us away. They can't do that. We're right there. But that's one he probably wanted to have back. Um, but other than that, since DBs played, you know, a pretty, really good game. Um, even coming down and hitting um, and, and trying to tackle an open space, it was a lot of – it was sometimes where they got hit in the zones, like right in the dead in the middle zones, like, you know, James would get some yards and stuff. But for the most part, they didn't give up – they didn't, you know – missed too many tackles in the open field where guys were right after catches was crazy, you know, out of control. So – um, they did what I thought they were doing the back end. I said this would be Bama's, you know, the best secondary they played all year. And I think everybody saw that for four quarters. It's just the offense, you know, couldn't get anything going. And 
the defense gets tired after after a certain amount of times, man. Yeah, <laughs> gets, and tough I could, running, gets tough trying back out there on that field. <laughs> and I could tell Desmond he was getting a little frustrated with his offensive line because my goodness, after a while there, it seemed like it was like he would look up, look at a read. Next thing you know, somebody was coming to take his head off. I was trying to look up to see exactly how many sacks there were in this game, but I feel like Alabama had to have like six, especially it like, felt like those, they build beating on his neck a lot. Yeah, because I mean, every it like it literally looked like Desmond would look at his read, and then next thing you know, somebody's coming to take his head off. So it's like, do you get down or do you try to avoid it? I know that messes with his confidence as a quarterback, but I think he's one of the most winningest quarterbacks in school history. First uh, yeah. quarterback to take a team to a power, uh, a group of five team to the playoff. So, and last thing I want to ask you about this before we move forward: Do you think Luke Fickle has hit a ceiling at Cincinnati? Um. I'd say yes, but it's not the way that people would describe ceiling. Like, people think ceiling is like, okay, he's done all that he can do. If all that he can do is end up making the playoff, then you want to stay there because that means all it takes is two games and you're a champion. So I think that's, you know, that's fine. I think if it would have been a bad thing to see the ceiling, let's say they go 13-0 and then the committee still had them at six or seven. That's where you kind of get like, man, like, I don't know if there's anything else I can do. But if your ceiling is, if you're telling me I go 13-0, schedule a, a, a power five opponent, go there, beat them every year or two of them maybe every year because they went to Indiana this year, they went to Notre Dame this year and beat both of them. So if you're telling me I can do that at this school and make the playoff as long as I went out the rest of my games, in theory, then that's a good ceiling to have because that means technically every January you're playing in the play or every end of December you're playing in the playoffs if that's what, if that's what the case is going to be. So I think that's a good ceiling to have um, with the team that you feel the most comfortable with. And you just have to win two games. Once at, You have to win two games at the end of the season after your championship game. And, and you're a champion. And I guess so. It's also be dependent on who the next quarterback in is. He's going to be as good as Desmond. Does the program take a little step back there? Um, mm-hmm. Losing a defensive back. So we will see that. Do you want to be? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, like, and I can't lie to you, man. Desmond was a really good quarterback. But there's, I think, I think watching that, there's some quarterbacks that were at home like, man, I'm better than that guy. I can make, I can go off script a little more and make those two, three plays that put, you know, Bama in a rut. Because Bama caught a big break when they dropped that punt and they and they ended up, and Jameson, I think, ended up in the guy to recovery. Um, either him or, or Kool-Aid, whichever one it was. But I think it was, it was a punt. Cincinnati punter bombed it like he did all all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and the dude from Bama dropped it and it's like, oh, this is the break Cincinnati needed. They're gonna have the ball like on the 15, and Bama ended up recovering it. This is one is like is those type of games like you gotta get those if you want to beat Bama. You have to get those. And they just didn't, but they played a really good game. Gotta catch the breaks. And I was just thinking about with Jamison, right? So I know y'all know I've been talking about it all year. So you leave Ohio State, you become the number <laughs> one at Alabama. Now you're going to play in the national championship. They thought it was also crazy that the, the, the Crimson Tide decided to stay in the hotel the whole entire time in Dallas. And Nick said it was yeah. a team decision. That just kind of showed you, you know, the, obviously the focus would not. Yeah. Um, the team. There was a corner, number six from Alabama. I looked into it because I saw it from a Juco. I was like, why he went from a Juco to Alabama? Like, what's bro over there doing? Mm-hmm. I did some research on him. His number six. I want to say his last name is Jackson. He had like a 1.5 GPA coming out, no offers. 
went to get to like Dodge Community College, one of the community college, one of the JUCOs, balled out, end up at Alabama. They were short on DBs. And so he got into games. So I was like, yo, that's a crazy story. Because when I first heard it, I'm like, now granted, you hear a lot of JUCO guys going to schools, but it's like JUCO to playing in the college football playoff. Like what was going on over there? But uh, yeah. yeah, so I can't think of his name. I have to get y'all that name, but a uh, great story. As a matter of fact, I might do a post about him at Sports House, give him a shout out. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. I'm gonna go to Georgia, <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> ah, yeah, that, before, before this game, I was like, I feel like Kirby Smart is gonna have these guys ready to go. That just seems like an aggressive bunch of Georgia. I ain't gonna lie to you. So I feel like I feel like he's gonna have them ready to go. It's just they can't beat Nick Saban for some reason. And let me tell you something: Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> beat the Michigan Wolverines 34-11. When this game first started, I was like, oh, they, these guys are ready to go. What I, and I should know this guy's name. As a matter of fact, I can probably find it right here. That doggone Nico with Nicobe Dean. Oh, Nicobe Dean. Yeah. He, the sideline, the sideline. Yeah, you whatever. What the, was the guy sent in motion or was it a jet sweep? And he chased him from the right sideline to the left sideline and made the tackle in the open space. And hey, he's not the best linebacker in the nation for no reason. I mean, <laughs> he's a little different. He's a little, he's a different breed. I'm not, would you yeah. rank him up? What was the guy a couple years back that went to Chicago? Uh, Roquan. Where do you where do you these two guys rank through? Man, uh, it's tough, but I might I might give Nakobe a bump above Roquan for the simple fact is that Roquan had a little more around him in the secondary to work with. Okay. But but Nakobe does have, I think, the better overall D line. So it's kind of just one of those give or takes, like, man. But but they put but the thing about Nakobe is they put him in a lot of spots where it's literally just all right, Nakobe, we're putting you here because we think you're the only person that can make this play. Yeah. So and they did the same thing with Roquan too. They're both great. They're both great players. This is it's really just a toss-up at that point. They're really, but they're really, really great, great linebackers. I mean, they do everything you want them to do. They'll fill the hole for you. They'll, they'll run sideline to sideline. They can get out. They can get in coverage. They can blitz. They, you know, he's just, he's just an animal. He's just an animal, man. Look, let me tell you something. This game, twenty-seven to three at the half. Stetson Bennett heard y'all talking. Stetson Bennett said, "I heard them talk." I heard them say, I feel like I came ball. He was airing it out all over the field. The front seven from Georgia was not tolerating any disrespect for what they felt for maybe what happened in the Alabama game. Guys was flying around the field. Hutchinson did, I didn't, you know, obviously we know Hutchinson's a Heisman, you know, a trophy candidate, but like he kind of was dormant in this game. Uh, what were your thoughts on the blowout by the Georgia Bulldogs? Um, I got to say, I thought this game would be, I, I thought for one, Michigan was, riding on a wave where they could, you know, maybe momentum would play them into playing, you know, being in this game a little longer than I thought they were. Uh, definitely Georgia's front seven, you know, showed up as they've pretty much done all year. Um, but even then, the Michigan had opportunities. Like, in all these games, you'll see there's, there's really two, three, four plays that'll tell you. If the teams are locked in, if they're ready to go, certain things like that. And Katie McNamara just, just absolutely, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just, you know, it, he was playing the warm weather for the first time in, in three months. I don't know if it was, they just couldn't get in sync, you know, him and offensive line with, 
or Haskins, because even Haskins, you know, he made some plays where he made one of those games like yeah, Haskins is a great player. He's going to make that play, but that's hard to make for for, for you know an hour <laughs> against that type of defense. And it's just you know on third downs when you knew Georgia was going to send the house and they was going to have certain people drop. If you look at the game, the throws that need to be made to try to back Georgia off are there. It's just that Bryce Young made the throws. Kay McNamara didn't make the throws. And I think and I think a part of that comes from when you watch Bama or Bryce Young and Michigan and, and McNamara and, or even McCarthy, because they didn't really do the two QB system as much as I thought they would have did as they've been doing the past couple of uh, weeks. They kind of still with McNamara the whole first half has really surprised me. They they was usually switching them out. Like when they played uh, Ohio State or Iowa, they were switching them out, you know, relatively, you know, in rhythm to see who was going to give them what on whatever drive. But Bright, the depth that Bryce Young gets on each of his drops is what I think is what stalled Georgia's pass rush so much, or the rush in general. And that's why he had just enough time to release the balls when he knew he had a one-on-one on the inside and, and he and his slot guy could beat the linebacker. But Michigan, it's like McNamara's drops were so that's opposite of, of deep, narrow, <laughs> I guess yeah, that would yeah. be the word. It's like whenever he was getting ready to make a throw, you know, the edge guy is on his is on his neck. The Jordan Davis is pushing up the middle and he has nowhere to step, he has no lane to step up to because he's not deep enough. And I think that's really what one of the issues when you know his OC's calling these crossers at the right times is just McNamara didn't have enough depth to be able to have any lanes to step into to deliver throws. And that's what ended up, you know, getting them sacked, making very bad, poorly timed errant throws. Even then, Michigan drove down the field and he threw, I think, two picks in the red zone. Those are two potential either three or or 14-point swings right there <laughs> that can make this score look completely different. And then Michigan defensively, I think, wasn't playing a bad game. Yeah, those getting scored, but I think those playing a necessarily bad game. It's just third down to come get off the field. And then the backbreaker was when the cornerback just stopped running. Like, I understand Stetson was trying to throw, you know, he thought he was airing it out. But that play ain't getting made against Bama. I'm sorry. That, that's it. Matter of fact, that play's like getting made against Cincinnati. <laughs> The cornerback just, you know, on the go ball, he just stops running. He's he's in phase. He got him pinned to the sideline the way you want him to, and he just he just stopped running for a half a second, and the ball is just floating in the air. Like was that that the one? Was that the touchdown to Burton? Yeah, it was like right before halftime. I was just yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, was like, um, what what just happened? Like, what is he, he doing there? out there? I mean, he was there. The play was there to be made. So it's just, I think at that point, Michigan just. They kind of—I don't want to say they checked out, but they—they they probably got that feeling like, man, I don't think we can hang with these boys. That, you know, that, I, you could—you could, you could kind of see it when that happened. It was like, I don't know if we can hang. I don't know if we're going to, you know, make something happen. And they come out of halftime to not score and throw that interception. I think he threw an interception in the in the end zone. Just Jerry on Just, just. Oh yeah, that was—I mean, that was a bad pi. I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> that was a pretty bad pass. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, to throw those to throw those turnovers into it just made matters worse. And that's just kind of how the game went. And, and Georgia came out to play. Um, but we'll see against Bama. This at, at the end of the day, it, it won't really won't matter unless they get that trophy. And I think Kirby, I think Kirby knows like if there's a year to beat Bama, it's going to be this year. You can't I, wait another year because you can't get Bryce Young another year to get acclimated to college football. You can't. It just that 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 can't happen. <laughs> Messi might come back at this point. Who knows? So you can't you can't give him another year to get this young Bama squad to get used to doing this. You you need to get them now. 
You have to get him out of there now. And I think Kirby knows that. So let me say a couple things. One, I'm gonna give you stats for everybody. You know, Kate McNamara, Namara, Cade had a Namara. Yeah, he went 11 for 19 for 106 yards and two interceptions. Both those went to Darion Kendrick, the guy who transferred from Clemson, who's now at Georgia. Hassan Haskins nine carries, 39 yards, and yeah, the receivers. I mean, Eric all had four catches for 63 yards, but nothing crazy. But to what you were saying, uh, so I just let y'all know, there's almost like a completely different team than the team that just played in the Big Ten Championship and it beat Ohio State. Go Buckeyes. But what you were saying <laughs> was that, and what I feel is that this is the year that they have to, and they better. I, I need this win. I need Georgia to get this win this year. I am rooting for them. I literally bet money against them in the last game, and I was very successful. Because generally, I go by the standard, if you bet against them, you don't like money. You just don't like, but this game, if any of y'all, you know what I'm saying, let me know. Hit me in the hit me in Matt chose one deals. We can talk about it. But I'm expecting <laughs> Georgia to win this game. And um, especially without with Mechie being out, I really feel like they got a shot. I feel like that front seven is gonna be uh motivated to play. Kirby Smart's gonna have those guys ready to go. And I expect Georgia to win this game. <sighs> I was just thinking, do I want to say about like 10 points? Or am I thinking like seven? I don't. You know, it's almost like the year when Bama beat them in SEC title game. Um, I think they beat them in the title game. And they had to play them two weeks later. Yeah. And Georgia was beating them for, for three and a half quarters and it's, no, for two for two quarters and then Tua comes in. And then it's like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I almost, I'm almost getting that same type of sense of like, Georgia's going to make adjustments. Kirby, Kirby's a great defensive mind. He's going to make the adjustments. That, that team's going to come out on fire you know, ready to play this team that, you know, embarrassed them at home, you know, because basically when they play those SEC title games, it's a home game for Georgia. Yeah. And, and I think they're tired of getting beat at home all the time in the biggest game of the SEC, like, you know, by the same team all the time. So, you know, they're going to come out on fire and probably have Bama looking around, maybe a little whatever. And it just feels like later on in that third quarter, Bryce is going to settle in. He's going to start making those off script pitches and those off script plays that only Bryce Young seems to make this year where he's yeah. he's rolling out there's nothing down the field and he's like oh Brian Robinson you're right there I'm gonna just flip this ball to you you know he's like 30 yards and then he goes for 15 because everybody's gone down the field and taking their responsibilities and this is like you can't plan for those type of things like you it don't matter what you do on the board you're not you cannot plan for him to do that it's just not supposed to happen so I, I feel like that's it's just giving me one of those vibes where you know Georgia's going to start hot, I believe, and then Bama's going to settle in and it's going to get real scary for the Bulldogs. Um, but I do believe Kirby feels like this is the – it has to happen this year. I think when they played Florida, um, there was a sound bite with him on the sideline. He was like, this is our year. Like, he's like yelling, like, this is our year. Like, this is it. Like, <laughs> he feels that because I just don't know if they can do this after this year. This is not – I don't see enough people coming back next year for them to compete with a Bama team that's basically full of freshmen and sophomores, you know, and, you know, they always seem to each year to find the uh, outside backer that seems to wreak havoc, you know, that just comes in <laughs> after the guy that, that left. <laughs> it happens all the time. So, I, you know, it's going to be, it should be a good one. It should be, it should be a good game. And that, one, and that one will be next Monday. So everybody, yeah. we're all be looking forward to that. At least Harbaugh, hey, you beat Ohio State for the first time in nearly yeah. a decade, and then you made it to the college football playoff. You won the a Big Ten championship game. So successful year, but 
he didn't win up. Uh, you didn't yeah. win at all. So, but man, hey, he did it after he did it after you know people was calling for his head two years ago. You know they they was ready to fire him. Yeah, and you know so I'm happy for him. Uh, what it did this year, and you know I think it's just one of those things where clearly you could tell Michigan this is their first time in the playoffs. You could tell those guys was like, man, I've never seen it. You know they've never been in something like this. They they used to watch it on how they be in this in the situation. Yeah. They, they was like, oh, we're here this time. Oh my god! Hey, just rooting for the team that's going against just, Ohio State. Yeah, Come on, they just caught. They just caught. They just caught the worst team at the worst time. You know, <laughs> they just so, yeah. So we're gonna keep moving here. We're gonna go to the granddaddy of the ball, oh, Rose Bowl. The Ohio State Buckeyes took on Utah. Yeah, Utah. Let me say that. They took <laughs> on Utah. Let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all something. The Utes. Yeah. <laughs> Utah, <laughs> we came out because see the, the big thing was was Ohio because I think we returned like seven thousand tickets. It's like were we going to come out inspired and want to play in this game, being the fact that we believe that we should have been playing it. You know, we would have beat Michigan, although they beat us fair and square. We feel like we should have been playing uh, Michigan. Uh, we should have been playing against Georgia. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Utah came out going up fourteen nothing. I ain't never even heard of this kid Cameron rising. This kid was a beast, and we couldn't. <laughs> to save our life. Oh my goodness. I am so ready for our new defensive coordinator from Oklahoma state to get into town today. Like that was ridiculous. I was like, we, this Ohio state five, four star defensive backs, linebackers. And then then our boy, um, I think I cannot think of his name right now. He's supposed to be our next up defensive end because you know, we had some guys lead to prepare for, uh, the draft, the just draft. like Chris Lave and Garrett Wilson. And his name is Jack Sawyer. And he gets kicked out the game for targeting. And I'm like, oh my God. And he's a freshman, but he was playing. So you did you so I'm assuming you watched the game, right? Yeah. Okay. So what did what were you thinking at first when Utah jumped ahead? Because they were up 14 nothing coming out the first quarter. I think Utah was just being a team that was excited to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it was just simply the fact that Utah, I don't think Utah's playing in the Rose Bowl and Leave us in my first appearance. <laughs> like when you look at the Rose Bowl, it's always been Stanford. Well, when I was when I was coming up, you know, Andrew Luck, Stanford, Christian McCaffrey, Stanford, um, and then Oregon of some sort. Uh, Washington would get thrown in there one, a couple times. Like, but I remember Utah being in. You know, I, I don't remember Utah really getting there. So I think Utah was just a team expired that felt like that was overlooked by. I think they felt overlooked by the noise all that Ohio State was getting because the players opting out and people saying that and, you know Herb Street saying that kids don't love to play football no more and and da 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 da. da. We get Matt Corral. We we can get the Matt Corral later, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know stuff. You know, all the nonsense that people were saying about these opt outs and I think Utah, you know, just wanted to play in the game. Clearly, they love playing football, so I, you know they look like the inspired team that came out on fire, um, ready to play in the in the game they've never been in before. I think yeah. you know at least this at least this immediate batch of seniors or, or you know group of this team had never been in this game before, um, and then Ohio State was kind of like, all right, do we want to get embarrassed on national television? I don't think so. So you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, let's just find you around yeah. here. <laughs> I thought he made a great remark. He said, generally speaking, whenever Ohio State gets kind of behind, it's like, all right, CJ, you got it. And he's like, but today there is no Chris Olave, there is no Garrett Wilson. 
But let me tell y'all something. We got some young guns that are in. I've been saying this forever. All of our backup receivers are the best receiver in his class. The second best receiver in his class. The first best receiver <laughs> in the country. Julian Fleming, Emeka did an absolute. Emeka did an absolutely great job. I think he had 164 yards in kickoff return uh, yardage. Then we got Jackson Smith and the Jigma. Marvin Harrison Jr. I think they said Marvin Harrison Jr. had five catches. He's a freshman. Had five catches for a day. Got three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl looking like his dad out there. So what a great – I mean. A beast. And I think he's like he's a real big guy. A lot. Jackson Smith is a little bit smaller. I think Julian Fleming is a pretty big dude. But uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, 15 catches, 347 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> and these catches are now all like – now some of these little crossing routes, it's kind of like goodness gracious. I think they had – there, at one point, Utah had their running back guarding him because they had low numbers on the defensive back. <laughs> back. So Jackson had to make them pay. So I looked at them like the disrespect. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but, but a great game by him. Clearly, uh, I think he's one of the – heading into next season will be probably one of the highest-ranked uh, receivers in the country. Yeah. Did you see his stats for the year? 1,000 – and he's a third option. 1,000. Yeah, a crazy game. What would you say? He had a crazy game against I forgot which team in the regular season. He had one of them crazy games. I can't think of the team. It was a game. He had a good like two something. And that was that's when they started talking about him initially. I think that's I think Garrett either got ejected or Chris Olave got ejected for something for targeting. And then he they was like, Yeah, this Jackson Smith kid just went absolutely bonkers. <laughs> like I can't remember which game it was though. It was against Nebraska. Against Nebraska, okay. he had 15 receptions. 240 yards and a touchdown. So people was hearing about him, you know what I'm saying? You listen to me. 95 receptions this season, 1,606 yards, and then obviously, and so all these are broken records. Let's be very clear. All these are broken records, man. He put it on, and then Marvin Harrison, another one, and then Julian Fleming and Amaka, we are locked and loaded. And here's my thing, because I'm pretty sure we open next season up against Notre Dame. And so it's like we basically got to see a preview of what that team's gonna look like. That's gonna be special because Marcus Freeman and I had the boys ready in Notre Dame. I'm not gonna lie to you, and I, I, it's tough to say that today because of the way Oklahoma State just went absolutely—I don't know what happened in that game. <laughs> like they just went—they just Oklahoma State just caught fire. I've never seen a team catch fire as an offense like in my life. I feel like, but. I'm sure. I'm sure next year, Marcus Freeman and that Notre Dame defense is going to be ready for whatever house they got to throw at them. But as, um, as Marcus Freeman, I you know you hate to start your coaching career off with the like a big lead and not be able like to finish the game, and then you got to kind of got to sit with that all off season. But they Notre Dame next season, I forgot. I think they play Southern Cal. I want to say they play Southern Cal. They play Southern Cal. They have Clemson I and flip the safety too. What'd you say? I want to say they flipped the. I want to say they flipped like the number two safety to him too, or something like that. They got they got a re- they brought in a really really good safety to come in next year. I know I just can't think of what the guy's name is, but to Notre Dame, right? Yeah, to come to Notre Dame. Look, if look, he comes in. There's a lot of competition. I'm saying they just lost Kyle Hamilton. Uh, there's a lot of competition. They're going to keep on playing a lot of top games on national TV. And then but real quick back to this guy, we'll not disrespect my boy C.J. Stroud, who had another record-setting performance going 37 for 46, 573 yards in the air, six touchdowns. He had one interception. And, you know, I was so proud of my boy C.J. because there was at one point early in the game, either the first or second quarter, where he did his drops, he didn't see anybody, and he took off running. 
And I'm like, CJ, yes, let's do that. <laughs> because it reminded me of Bryce Young. And it also reminded me a little bit of what he used to do a little bit in high school. So I'm like, and he was right down the road from his high school because he's a Cali guy. And so, yeah, no, yes. Yeah, so as y'all can tell from my passion, super excited for my Buckeyes. <laughs> That's just a preview. We got more on the way. Last thing I want to say about this game, though, Brian Hartline is not going to be around for long. I'm going to give him about one more year. He's the wide receiver <laughs> coach. You develop. Now, granted, he's already getting like, like the best players and he's just making them a little bit better, but he's that tell he's that good of a coach. I'm sure somebody's gonna go get him and uh bring him in as maybe hey, man, that's all recruiting too. He's those guys' position coach. So they come <laughs> to play for him. They would he's the guy that's with them five days a week. I mean <laughs> the OC calling plays, but he's the one that's with him in practice five days a week every day for at least an hour and a half. <laughs> so and I mean thing, that's just that's just as important. And the thing is, after uh it's like it's not like Ohio State has had a series of great receivers come through before Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Mike Thomas. I don't think we've had like a first round receiver been taken since like Ted Ginn. So we really get the running backs and stuff, you know, great defensive backs. Yeah. Some will call it up to who you who is it cool nah, automated by who you're talking about. Your boy last year killed that one. Uh, what was his name? That was in Baltimore. Oh, uh, Sean Wade. Sean Wade. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> yeah he, he he ruined that one for you. And then you got old boy uh, Malik Hooker went to the Colts. And it, 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 Let's I, I just the history. I, 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 I ain't going to blame that Malik. I think Malik just in a situation. He was a one high guy, and then he got he, he got the Indy, and they played a lot of two high, and he just couldn't really adjust. I, <laughs> it's just, I think it's one of those, it just didn't fit for him. But we have another guy, um, not that went to Indy, he was a defensive back. Uh, Deion Sanders used to talk about him a lot, and he hasn't done too well in the pros. He's still trying to figure it out. He went uh, to Okuda. the Detroit Lions. Is he still playing Okuda. better? Or is he still struggling? I don't know. No, he got hurt. He, no, I think he's he towards Achilles this year. He's out for the year. Yeah, it's, it's a struggle right now. Y'all have one dude that I think does play really well. We it's got two, Mar- Marshawn Lattimore. And yeah, Marshawn and – The boy from the Bengals, Denzel Ward. No, no, uh, you're talking about I mean, oh, oh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah them, them two working out, but yeah. In the, <laughs> in the history of, uh, look, let's change the subject. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, look, okay. So Ohio State keeps winning. I should be in the building in Columbus, Ohio, for this Notre Dame game next season. I don't care how much it costs. Just go ahead and get me there. I need to meet some right people. Uh, I thought he was going to the Rose Bowl this year. You said he's going to be going to the Rose Bowl from the beginning of the year. I thought he was going to go. What happened? Life happened. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> well, I ain't gonna lie to you. Money didn't come through the way I was expecting it to. It's all right though. We'll run next year of your business expense for Matt Sports House. Y'all make sure y'all donate to Matt Sports House. Uh to the owner at Matt One Cash One. Keep it moving, stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about the South Carolina Gamecocks really quick. Well, not even really quickly. It's the hometown conversation. I'm sure we're gonna get a clipping out of this for the social media account. Oh no. South Carolina gets the win in the Mayo, but the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which I think was an extra job because I feel like a lot of people we talk about a lot of mayonnaise since the, yeah. the South Carolina. <laughs> since the South Carolina lot of mayonnaise. But uh, they Marketing got through the roof. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Stock <laughs> price went up. 38-21, South Carolina over the Tar Heels. Uh, what were your thoughts, Sterling? Uh, I got the game. Um, my thoughts were, uh, wow, you know. There's this four-star quarterback that used to play at Fort Dorchester that's that before this year, before Gaffney High School was the last person on planet Earth to beat Dutch Fork High School in the game <laughs> that I saw with my own two eyes, um, who really could stress a defense because of his legs. But also, he was invited to the Elite 11 
which means he can throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> I think you could see that uh, when you when you build around somebody's abilities, truly, you can do a lot of things well, and it can really work out, especially when his abilities are were deemed special and still potentially could be special. So, um, you know, props to the carry-on joiner for sticking it out and finally getting to play. Um, quarterback, truly quarterback built around what he does best um and of course you know defensively um those guys have been balling all year and they really had sam howell in a rut um outside of two busted plays really North Carolina couldn't do nothing offensively uh the d line was getting after it uh darius rush had a great game i mean a great <laughs> he had a great game um yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a good time. It was a really good game. It, they played a really solid game in all three phases. Even special teams, they got a, they got they stole two points on the water bucket um, after after a, a touchdown to put them up 15-0. Um, punt coverage was good. Nothing broke. Um, yeah, they played a really good game. Offensive line played solid. We saw Kevin. We saw what a healthy Kevin could look like again for the first time in a long time. Our Kevin Harris. I think he rushed for about 190. 182, 31 carries. That's a, that's a workhorse. 31 carries. Yeah. 31? That's almost 40. I can't wait. I can't wait to see him in Baltimore next year. You think I'm going to go get him? Oh, yeah. He's, oh, oh, Kevin Harris is a Baltimore. If Kevin Harris isn't a Baltimore Raven, you know, <laughs> somehow, some way. I mean, think about him right now. Like, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to project that's where he's going to go in the draft, but I just look at Baltimore and how they play offense. Um, they're kind of missing that downhill, downhill guy <laughs> this year, uh, you know, because of injuries and they let Mark Ingram leave and, you know, they have their dude in J.K. Dobbins, but J.K. is going to be the stretch guy, you know, stretch the, the, the sideline, sideline stuff. Kevin Harris seems like a really great fit in Baltimore is that, that, that dive, that, that dive guy. <laughs> so I, I, I could see Kevin in Baltimore, um, but we've seen how he looked when healthy and, oh my God, you know, Jaheim Bell's been here all year. I mean... Yo, that guy's that guy's a matchup nightmare for anybody. Five um, catches, hundred one on one. Five catches, one hundred fifty nine yards and two touchdowns. I, me and Sterling were talking about this. I typically take Sterling throughout these games. His opinion on certain things. <laughs> I look at Jaheim Bell. I'm like Sterling. So he just lined up in the backfield. I know. I just seen that. Now he's lined up out wide. He's listed as a tight end and he's running away from DVs. What is this guy? And I was trying to figure it out, and I was asking, him, like, what position do you think he plays next year with them bringing the guy in from Oklahoma to play a tight end? And do they just go ahead and line him out, out wide? Do they have him in the backfield? I was trying to ask him, so Sterling, I'm asking you again on air, like, what what do you think the plan is for him for next year? Because he definitely balled out in this game. I can't remember exactly what I texted you, but I think it was to defense of he has no position. Just get that, you know what, the ball. <laughs> no matter what he, I don't care where you put him at. Find a way to get that man a one-on-one and get that man the ball. That's, that's all that matters. It don't matter if you put it, if you say, hey, Jim, I'll just play running back. We got something for you. You got to just beat, all you got to do is, is stiff on the safety when you get to him. Jaheim, I'm going to put you in the slot. You got a one-on-one, the linebacker. You got option route, beat him. Jaheim, we're going to put you outside. You got a smaller cornerback on you. Uh, if he if he throwing if he throwing you a back shoulder, catch it. it, it like you just get him the just just get him the ball. Just <laughs> just find a way to get this guy the ball as much as possible. That's that's it. Don't matter what you want to call him. You want to call him a slide, a tight end, a H back. It don't run him. It don't matter what you want to call him. 
just get the guy to just get the guy to football. He scored on he scored on two scores because he ran a, a post route on the cornerback and beat him. He beat him. He beat, he beat him on the inside and then and then rerouted to the outside because the carry on threw the ball so perfectly to his to his outside shoulder. It was still outrunning him. And then he beat um a safety in a one on one on the slant route on RPO. Just find a way to get the guy to football. That's just get him in a one on one and get that guy the ball. <laughs> I don't care what you call him. I don't care if you put him in on offense and you write in as his position athlete. It don't matter. Just <laughs> get that guy to football. That's all that matters. And so my next question to you will be uh with so with this that positionless player, he's just ball player. Uh he's Kevin Harris is on his way out. Oh, actually two. Uh Kevin Harris on the way out. Do you think Juju or Marshawn will be the starter next? Eh, I don't know. You do you can you answer that? I mean, I just say use I just say they're weapons. <laughs> Shoot. I, personally, I, I mean Juju's one of them one of, another one of those positionless guys. I'm like, man, that let him punt return, let that guy kick return, let that guy be in the slot, jet sweep, let that guy, you know, come to running back at times, let that, you know, let him if you want to throw the carry on in that quarterback. And have him throw the ball as well. Shoot, take something from Wink. Uh, not Wink. Uh, take something from uh, uh, the, uh, what's his name from Baltimore? Ah, uh, slipping me. No C. Man, I know what you're talking what's about. No C. Oh ball. my goodness. About. Take something. From, take a page out of Baltimore. And if you want to go, um, <laughs> Jaheem, you're gonna go Jaheem, uh, Juju, and Marshawn in the full house pistol package and run freaking lead option. <laughs> With a, with a pitch option to it. I mean, just do what you want to do with these guys, but just get get your best weapons on the field and figure out a way to make them to, to, to put the defense in a stressful position. So, you know, I, I can see it. You know, I think Marshawn would, you know, be the more traditional starter at running back. But Juju's one of those guys, like, you just got to have him on the field somewhere. You got to, he has to have, he needs to be able to be explosive somewhere. So I just, you know, that's what I think you can do with that. Um, so. No, I was about to say it's gonna be interesting to watch. Greg Roman, that's his name. It was it was plucking at me. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch that heading the next season. This definitely gives Carolina fans some momentum. You saw Beamer was super excited after the game. Spencer Rattler put out the tweet, excited watching his uh future teammates. And so he, you know, he was tuned in. He should probably be in Columbia probably within like I don't I know. I think probably like the next week or so. Class yeah, this, if I see this man in class, I'm gonna laugh. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it tells a different culture down here, my guy. Hey, hey look at him and win ball games. But uh, <laughs> hey, last thing I wanted to say though, before we go ahead and get off here, was, and I think you've already predicted, right? Just to be clear, so you take, are you taking Georgia over Alabama? Or are you taking Alabama over Georgia? Okay, I'm taking. You know, I'm telling y'all right now. I think when I came on before the season, I told y'all my preseason pick was Georgia to win the national title. Yep. Even though I picked against them in the last game, but that's neither here nor there. So I'm gonna roll with Georgia. I, I, this is when I just think we're gonna see a extremely desperate Georgia team. There you go. I think the SEC title game, they was very, they was on the wave of we want to prove that we're the best team in the SEC. We want to prove that we're the better team, and they played kind of. I don't want to say they played a little bougie, but like for lack of a better word, they kind of played a little bougie. They was getting bullied around on the defensive line, letting Bama run. Um, they was letting Bryce Young make every off script play, off script play that he wanted to make. Um, Jamison Williams was popping the top off the defense whenever he wanted to and drinking a soda in the end zone at the end of the day. Um, I think we're gonna see a very we're gonna see a Georgia team that that feels like 
they just went broke and had to file for bankruptcy. Yeah. And this is, and this, you know what I mean? And like, and this is the, this is their, this is their lottery ticket. And they need to go punch this number in. And they understand that. I think Kirby is going to coach with that intensity over these next six days, seven days in film room. I think the players are going to practice that intensity on in practice. And we're going to see a young Bama team you know, end up doing what young teams do. They're going to be like, we beat this team once, we can do it again. And that'd be the mentality, which is not a bad mentality, but it's not the desperate, hungry, we got to have this one. Bama played the SEC side of the game like they had to have the one because they knew if they lost the game, they wasn't making the playoffs. There you go. Now it's, now it's the other way around. It's like, y'all are both there, but I just feel like this is going to be, yeah, Georgia is going to be a team that just filed for bankruptcy. They know this is it. This is, this is the time. This is the moment. They have to win this game. And, you know, if Stetson does it, you know, then I say, hey, Stetson, I apologize. I didn't think they can win with you um, as a quarterback. I certainly believe plays like the one right before halftime where he just kind of threw it up in the air and then the guy stopped running. That's not going to be there. So don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, Stetson going to run, scramble a little bit, make some plays with his legs, extend drives. Hey, I'm all for it. So hey, look, I think uh, Drake said you can. So in this game, uh, he said one of his songs, you can feel the tension and the urgency. And I think that'll be kind of what you'll be able to see out of Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. Wanted to go off gear though real quickly. With watching, have been tuning in a little bit to non Under Armour All-American practices and games. Uh, Jason Barnes, remember he was the wide receiver coach at Dutch Fork. He's now mm -hmm. at Georgia Military College. He's, yeah. I guess he worked a lot with Antonio Williams, who's coming out of Dutch Fork this season. He's mm -hmm. over there at the Under Armour All-American game. They say he's been putting on a show out there. A lot of <laughs> scouts and stuff think that he'll probably be able to go in and play at Clemson right away. Also with Clemson's receiving core not being, uh, you know, exactly what it's been in the years past. And so with him putting on a show out there against the top competition in the country, uh, they say he's not the biggest guy, but he's real agile and stuff. He really knows how to move mm -hmm. himself. And uh, Jace, Jason Barnes was like, I've been telling you as the best receiver in the country. So I'm really looking now, granted, I know he's excited where he is right now. I'm really looking forward to seeing how well he, like, uh, how well he continues to go up in the coaching world. Because he's got top guys that came out of Dutch Fork at, like, Tennessee and now going to Yeah, Clemson. Hyatt. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got top guys all over the place. A major shout-out to him. Definitely saw that on his Twitter account. And we're going to see if Williams can go in there. I guess him and Cade, Cade Club, nigga, him called each other like, hey, bro, let's go there and do it big in the Valley next season. So what happens. Hey, man. Yeah, it, it should be hey, – we'll see what happens in Clemson next year. I, I still thought – yeah, I made an Iowa State prediction, and, my, and Brock Purdy just said, I'm going to sell this one. So I, <laughs> that, that made me a little upset. I'm just like, I picked y'all, and this is what you do today. You, you just uh, – <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Man. I saw. I was like, I felt like Davos gonna be able to get it together, get the Tigers to go. They're what ten? I think they finished the year ten and three. So yeah. down year for the Tigers. Great year. Yeah, I'm gonna say for that to be a bad year. <laughs> imagine saying, imagine saying ten and three is a down year. You know how crazy that. <laughs> to other schools to around the country, and it's Clemson fans used to be these people five years ago. Ten and three every year. Exactly. If you would have told Clemson fans under Tommy Bowden, they'd be ten and three every day. Like, We're good. Did everything we asked for, but <laughs> tables turn, bridges burn. So yeah. that's all we have for y'all today. Sterling, got anything else? Um, you know, I always like to, you know, I know it's a football, predominantly football, but I throw in a little NBA there. DeMar DeRose is an all-star starter. That's that's kind of all I wanted to, I wanted to, um, you know, lead off with. Back to back, right? I mean, two game winners. The Chicago Bulls are the second seed in the Eastern Conference. He's leading the team in points. 
Um, yeah, sounds like All-Star started to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you wouldn't think that, you know, two years ago when he was in San Antonio, but I just want to shout out to Martin Rosen, the way he's been playing this year. Chicago looks very, very, very interesting. Um, nobody's really talking about them, even though they're the second seed in the Eastern Conference. And it's kind of weird. You know, everybody's still saying, you know, Milwaukee might be the best team. and Brooklyn's about to get Kyrie back. And even they're even throwing – and I love the Heat. They're even throwing in my Heat. But I'm like, man, uh, when it gets to playoff time, and it's, it's a lot of who can get you a bucket, Chicago got a lot of those guys. <laughs> so it's – I don't know, man. This this looking kind of scary in Chicago, right? Chi Town might be might be booming around May. Yeah, so. they got a different kind of energy out there. I, I saw when they first bought Alonzo and then got Zach Levine and stuff like that. So I kind of started following the, the, the YouTube, they're not the vlogs, but like their YouTube stories and whatnot. I'm starting watching. They just stack it. And Alonzo, I think, is out right now, if I'm not mistaken, with COVID protocol. But he's balling and cleaned up his shot. Zach Levine, Tamar DeRozan. What, what's about Caruso? Caruso? Yeah, yeah, Caruso. I think he's in, health, I think he's in COVID protocols too. But even Caruso, I'm, you know, they, they're just really – interesting man. like they're the yeah. second seed like nobody's talking about them like they're not the second seed in the east like hey, people still not. bringing up philly and and all these other teams so i just want to shout out the you know i was speaking of some nba there you know demar Rosen. can't really do no ufc because that's kind of done right now but you know until uh this nganu and gone card but other than that it's like man shout out to rosen man DeRozan really balling in chicago i'm happy for him you know he had a tough it was tough after he kind of got traded for a championship, you know, yeah. in China. I was just like, imagine building, imagine building like the whole house, and then when it's time to put the ceiling on and wrap it up, they get you up out of there and they complete the ceiling. So that's kind of what happened to him. But maybe he might be able to make some. happened to Mark Jackson in Golden State. Yeah. And then built the house, and then they brought in Steve Kerr, and he just put the roof on it. I mean, he's just, like, he's just no, nah, actually, nah, he just added the doorknob to it, actually. Yeah. All, you know what I mean? So, I mean, uh, yeah, like, but this just DeMar DeRozan really I, I wanted to get that out there. He's he's been balling two straight game winners. Those are second seed in the Eastern Conference. He's a he's an all-star starter, in my opinion. He should get he should if he doesn't start, then the all-star's a joke this year. He he deserves to get that that starter this year. So exactly. So we'll see what happens with that. But Sterling, thanks for coming on. Next time y'all hear from us will be uh at the national championship game. And we'll see who uh, brings the whole thing home. Well, it's coming back to the SEC. So everybody in the SEC can get regardless. Yeah. Oh, you seen the SEC call fire after Carolina's win, too. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, the SEC losing bowl games. And then Carolina wins. And then here comes Kentucky. Here comes um, Arkansas won. Georgia, Bama, you know. Ole Miss lost, you know, because Corral got hurt. But, yeah. And speaking, and then you just something you just said there triggered something. And Sam Howe, by the way, did in fact declare for the draft, so he's gone. He Hopefully, Matt Corral don't have any major injuries. That really, Kirk Hershey dropped that remark, and then Matt Corral, who said, "I wouldn't be here without these guys," so I'm playing gets injured. And it's like this is exactly why you don't listen. Not yeah, exactly, but this is exactly like the opposite opinion of what Kirk Hershey was saying. Man, Kirk's saying that like he like he broadcasting games for free. Stop it. <laughs> Man, give me, Kirk. If you come here and you broadcast and you fly on these jets with your and pay with out of your pocket with your money to, to call these games for free and be on TV for free, then maybe I might listen to you. But guess what? You're getting paid for all of that, and they're paying for your travel. So I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and I heard that somebody said it too. It was a really good remark it was on Twitter. And they're like, guys, you better make do what's in the best interest for yourself. They're already recruiting your replacement. And I was yeah. like, mm -hmm. 
Nah, somebody said something about Lincoln Riley. It was like, oh, my, I think Mike Uber brought up a great point. It's like, man, I'm watching this interview. He was like, I'm watching the broadcast of Kirk and, and Desmond, and, and not one time when they talking to Lincoln, and they say, dang, so do you not love coaching anymore? You know, you left your team that was going to a bowl game. <laughs> That's a, California. Good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. I mean, they, I mean, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame and they said they could have still made the playoffs. They, they, they in the playoffs. Like, and then he goes to LSU and says, I'm here to play with the best players in the country. Wait a minute. Wow. I mean, you, you don't love the grind no more? You don't like the you don't like the Notre Dame grind? <laughs> you know, that's crazy. All right, still, let's get out of here because we got to be on here for an hour. Hey, y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Yeah, styling no, dissing but got pictures with me smiling no.